And now you're tuning in to the Women Unplugged podcast. Hey, plugs! Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode eight of our Women Unplugged podcast. This one is called Colorism Our Emotions Matter. We have special guest, therapist, and CEO of Emotional Exchange, Ariane Camille. She's going to be on here with us today. So make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Women Unplugged underscore. And don't forget to please watch, like, and subscribe us on YouTube at Women Unplugged Podcast. I'm your girl, Bougie Candy. I'm Penny Mod, Penny for your thoughts, aka Anniopi with the pen. And I'm your girl, Lavina J. I got the news, the tea, whatever you need. Lavina, what's the news? Okay, so there are a lot of great things happening for women specifically, and then in addition, women of color. So the first thing that I want to bring to light is Brianna's law has passed. If you don't know who Brianna is, Brianna Taylor was unfortunately um, murdered in her home in Louisville, Kentucky. Essentially, the officers used extreme force and was looking for someone who wasn't there. They were already arrested um, and detained. So she lost her life by eight gunshots and um, she was asleep. So what Brianna's Law is, according to CNN, Brianna's Law bans federal law enforcement officers from carrying out warrants until after the officer provides notice of his or her authority and purpose which means they have to have a reason for going in and which means the officer has provided this information to the department prior to any warrants being issued in addition it blocks state and local law enforcement agencies that receive justice department funding from carrying out any warrants that do not require the officers involved to provide notice with his or her authority and the purpose before forcibly entering a premises, which is also what they did. They had a no-knock warrant. They forcibly entered. She was asleep, and unfortunately, she was murdered. Um, And I am very excited about this because I feel like it is definitely something that is needed. It has been needed for a very long time. So before I ask, I still want to let everybody know even though Brianna's law has been passed, unfortunately, justice has not been served for Brianna herself. It has still been over three months since she was murdered, and the officers involved have still yet to be arrested or charged. So that is what we're hoping for. That is what we're praying for, justice for her in itself, but thankful that her name gets to be used in this way to prevent it from happening to people all over the nation. So Penny, girl, I got to ask you, um, how do you feel about Brianna's law passing? And in addition, how do you feel about the fact that justice has not been served for her specifically? So I am happy that the law has passed, but like the many tweets that have been circulating, it makes me sick to my stomach to think her mother had to celebrate her child's 27th birthday and her not be there. And these officers are at home with their loved ones, just living their life. Um, justice absolutely needs to be served. And I am happy that this law did pass, but 
we need more than just little, because this is minuscule in comparison to these cops being charged for the murder of Breonna Taylor. So instead of passing a law with her name on it, I look at something like that as some, a symbol to shut us up. Like, okay, Breonna Taylor law, on to the next. No, this black woman is no longer with us for absolutely no reason. She was murdered in her home in her sleep. This is not enough for me. You know, I am happy that a no-knock warrant should never be, should have never even been a thing. I personally have never even heard of a no-knock warrant before Brianna's story, but it's very upsetting. I am happy that it was passed, but justice still needs to be served and we need to continue to come at them and call whoever we can and send emails and do whatever it is that we can to make sure and continue to say her name, Brianna Taylor, for justice to be served because it needs to not only be that, but justice needs to be served because they even, um, put a ban on the chokehold, Eric Garner's murderer is still free. So there needs to be a true purpose. There needs to be true, not even purpose, because they're, you know, they're giving us the illusion of purpose, but there needs to be true action behind this, if this is what they're doing. And starting with Breonna Taylor's case as an, uh, as an example. Do you know what I'm saying? That's where yeah. I am. With that. Yeah, and I agree. By no means do I feel like this is a time to take our foot off the gas as it regards to us standing for and receiving equality in this country that was built on the backs of our ancestors. Um, at the same time, that's something that I told you guys previously, I am all for laws coming back and not for old laws coming back, but for new laws to be created. So that way in the future, we have something that's black and white to stand on as opposed to just saying, hey, we're hurting, look at how we're feeling. There's an actual law to back us up. And that's why I think it's so important. But in addition, I just wanted to read um, a quote from the Senator of Kentucky, his name, <clears throat> excuse me, his name is Senator Rand Paul, um, and he is actually who introduced the bill, but he said, after talking to Breonna Taylor's family, I've come to the conclusion that it is long past time to get rid of no-knock warrants. Um, he said, this bill will effectively end no-knock raids in the United States. So in addition to that, I kind of wanted to bridge it with a little bit because something that we've also been hearing, you know, via news and social media is the defunding of police. So before I ask Candy this next question, I just wanted to clarify what defunding the police actually is. And defunding the police is not actually meaning get, getting rid of the police altogether, which is what a lot of people are thinking. They're thinking we're saying we want no more law enforcement. We want to be done with the police department, but that is not the case. Defunding the police essentially means reducing police budgets and budgets of police departments to allocate those funds to other things in their certain state. That means um, towards schools, youth services, neglected education, public health, things like that, which we also need. So I want to ask Candy, based on what the Kentucky Senator said, um, in his statement, how do you feel about defunding the police? And do you feel like it's an additional action that we do need to take in addition to Brianna's law, obviously nationwide? Yes, because now you're targeting it on a more mental health and community level instead of just the you know police level or because you have this infrastructure here where you have mass incarceration. And you don't really have an actual rehabilitative effort really being put forth. You can lock someone up for a crime, 
But if you're not really putting forth the resources or putting the re reallocating funds to put more effort towards resources to help people on the back end, then you are just kind of helping people on the front end or just locking them up for this crime. But now they're a felon and they don't really have the help or the resources that they need to move forth. Same thing with the community. You're, you may go ahead and pass this law where, okay, yeah, now you're going to be charging people, but you're not really putting a rehabilitative effort or putting the funding towards rehabilitative efforts in the community from those families like Breonna Taylor that are going to be affected from missing their child's birthday or how it affects that community from the peers that that child had or the person has from the friends that that person has from the other family members that that person has. You're not targeting that end of it. So the cycle a lot of time repeats in the, in the psyche where we may act out violently or we may just have a negative reaction to it emotionally or physically or mentally because you're not having that rehabilitative source there. So yes, I'm all about mental health. I'm all about, yes, we definitely need a political effort. So like you said, Labina, we have something black and white to stand on, a starting point on the political or legal side. But you also have to deal with the torment and the effect that it has emotionally and mentally on you know everyone that is going to be affected by a death like that in the community or constant trauma and i think you couldn't have said it any better uh i of course you guys know i'm a mom my kids are always my forethought and not my afterthought so anything that is going to change the way society is and the way that we can build it for them in the future to actually see them affect change or that we can effectively create change now for the future i'm all for it um and in addition of course 45 has um released an executive executive order for safe policing and safe communities and according to cnn this order sets financial incentives for police departments to establish credential programs and also follow standard practices under this executive order order to what Penny said, chokeholds will be banned, except when an officer's life is at risk. Though the police departments that choose to get certified would have to comply with that standard. So to me, just adding that on to what this is, is just a little bit of, we always talk about it, that sleight of hand, something is going on over here, but something else is going on over here. I see no reason why it's ex except when an officer's life is at risk because I feel like if you're a police officer, your life is always at risk. I feel like that's the point of the job. Your duty is to be protecting people. So it's a little bit of a redundancy for me, but he's making an attempt. So we'll leave it there. Um, in addition, something we also have to celebrate is Jennifer Carol Foy. And she is actually running for governor of Virginia. Now, if this happens, also according to CNN and according to JenniferCarolFoy.com, which is her specific website, she will be the first black governor in the United States and the first female governor in the state of Virginia and black as well. So um, I just wanted to read a little synopsis from her website and her, her platform. And it says, Jennifer Carol Foy has dedicated her life to serving others. As one of the first African-American women to graduate from Virginia, Virginia Military Institute, she's a foster mom, a magistrate judge, and a public defender. Jennifer embodies 
the ideals of community, honor, commitment, and every and commitment in every facet of her life. Um, so during her time in legislature, Jennifer has led Virginia's efforts to ratify equal rights amendments, passing legislation to combat Virginia's teacher shortage, and proudly supported and successfully fight with Medicaid to get it for 400,000 Virginians, which I think is massively, massively huge. So I just wanted to celebrate her. And of course, you guys know that I have to ask, like, what would it mean for you personally as a woman? And then of course, as a woman of color to have the first female and first black governor of the United States. For me, this is really big for the female side of history, once again, because we had to fight harder than everyone else to get the rights we have today. So this is reminding me of the Michelle Obama possibly running up for president. This is reminding me of Stacey Abrams when she ran for governor for governor um, in Georgia. This is big. You know, when these women are making history, these are the women that we need to be honoring, aspiring to be, looking up to, setting us up the real role models in the community because they're biting the bullet. They're they're putting their fears to the side. They're not going with the status quo and they're making history right now. So whether she wins or not, is it's already, you know, that'd be great, but you're already setting history just by being a candidate. So once again, pushing more and more females and ladies out there and, you know, young ladies out there to just keep striving for your dreams. I think this is great. And we just have to keep seeing more like this. We have to get more leaders because from our history, there's a tendency for a lot of our leaders to become martyrs. So the more leaders that we have, the the more easier the movement will be or the more easier to be for us to get things done in a communal effort because we don't have to worry about, you know, leadership being scarce in our community. So kudos, kudos, kudos. I'm so excited. I think it's great. I absolutely agree with you, Candy. This is major. And with her being the first woman, let alone black woman, to become governor in this country, I feel that it's going to open more doors. You know what I mean? I feel like it'll be more, there's more of a likeliness once there's that, once that threshold is crossed. So I'm super excited. I'm, you know, I, I'm going to follow this story because it is very much needed. We need our voices on the inside in every avenue, in every platform, in every profession. And I think that this is definitely a huge step and a much needed step in history. Yes, I agree. And you guys, um, I'm just so excited. Um, I, when I first saw this story, it reminds me of my mom, because as you ladies know, my mom is in the military, but she is also in California, a part of her um, county board as well. She does a lot of things politically for her community. So personally, like my mom has always been like an example, but now that I'm seeing it more and more, and because we just need some semblance of positivity, unity, things that are going right and well, and people that are standing up not only for what they believe in, but they're standing up for the future of what we know America can be, which is what this is all about. We know that it can be greater than it has been, and we know that there are so many women, men, 
children out there who have a purpose and a high calling on their life who can do something amazing, amazing, amazing that will change the way that we live every single day. So I wanted to celebrate that with you guys. And ladies, that is the news for today, honey. So today's guest is an emotional wellness specialist with the master's from GSU certifications in counseling and clinical rehabilitation. This queen is determined to help others increase their emotional intelligence. From her Let It Go podcast to self-love and awareness events through her fabulous brand, Emotional Exchange, she also provides counseling sessions to help individuals maneuver through life's obstacles. Let's welcome therapist, coach, counseling, emotional intelligence coach, and CEO, the Emotional Exchange, Ariane Camille. Hey, Yay, girl. Hey, girl. Hi, guys. Hi, Candy, Penny, hey. Lucina. Hey, I'm so girl. glad to be here. We're ha we're glad happy to have, have you. you. So, yes, I was just so. watching you guys' YouTube, so this is fun to see us in this on this platform. This is kind of cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for your support, and we haven't seen you since your your awesome that event that you did with Emotional Exchange. Yes, so it's yes. so nice to actually, you know, chop it up Love with it. you and Love have it. you on our platform. Yes, I'm so glad to be here. Y'all are cool. <laughs> So tell us, what made you get into counseling? So I was like the emotional kid, you know, like I was always someone who was very aware of my emotions. Um, my parents got married at a young age, so I was a part of their emotional roller coaster called marriage. And because of that, I was always very aware of others and how certain things made other people feel. So when I actually, when I was in elementary school, I was part of a peer support program where I learned how to diffuse bullying situations, right? So even from elementary school, it was like this was something that was mapped out for me. So yeah, I just stayed dedicated to wanting to help other people express themselves. And that's how I landed in therapy. That is so, so dope. So you remember when we initially met and yeah. there's been so much growth between both of us since then, right? right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we all got to know, like, how yeah. did you initially come up with the emotional exchange? Like, what got the, the pot stirring for it? Yeah, absolutely. So I was in graduate school and I was realizing that there was not like a place where people could go and talk about things without having the pressure of a therapeutic environment, right? And I was seeing that people still struggle with talking about everyday things, but I really wanted to take the things that I was learning with, you know, like therapy strategies, um, summarizing connecting people together and I wanted to bring that back to my people my peers my generation so um, I landed on emotional exchange um, I knew I, it wanted I knew that I wanted to play on the word emotional um, just because I've always been labeled that and then I I went into exchange because I wanted to help people have exchanges with others without feeling um, you know, bias or judgment placed on them because of what they were experiencing. So my very first event was entitled In Your Feelings, like a play on Drake. And we talked about how it made us feel when someone else labeled us um, that 
you were in your feelings. So when someone says, Ariane, you're in your feelings right now. How does that make me feel? How do I internalize that? And why is that seen as a negative thing within our, our young people and community? And I always like to, um, I'm really big on self-awareness and tying emotional intelligence back into what I'm teaching. So I always start back on where did these messages come from and where did you initially learn how to express yourself and who, who told you that being emotional was too much for you. So yeah, that's the purpose of emotional exchange. We always kind of, as Candy and Penny, y'all got to see, we kind of go back into those later lessons of where things come from. And I just want to continue that as emotional exchange grows. Love it. Yes, I love that. Okay, so speaking of teaching, uh, you know, as well as the rest of us, that right now there is just so much going on. And I don't want to say it hasn't always been going on. I feel like as women and as women of color as well, we have a massive awareness that uh, the things that are happening have always happened. They're just being magnified right now because we have social media and everybody has cameras or a camera phone. It's a different right. age. So with that being said, what do you feel like are some ways that you can emotionally relax? And she's talking about teaching people. What mm -hmm. do you feel like are two ways that right now people can emotionally and mentally relax Mm -hmm. with everything that's going on but still feel like they're standing for what they're believing in and you know yeah. using whatever their platform is to to share yeah so you touched on two things you talked about like relaxation and also advocating so how can i be an advocate within my community but how can i also make sure that my wellness is okay in the meantime right so i would definitely suggest that people one tap into the things that they have always done uh pre-covid to relax and figure out how to continue to do those within the midst of quarantine so for me my outlet has always been like dancing i absolutely love to dance and it's not even like i'm like a super clubber but when I hear the music and the lights, like I'm on the dance floor, okay? I don't even have to have a, a sip of alcohol, but I'm on the dance floor, right? So I had to start doing YouTube dance classes and join on, you know, some dance sessions and play my soca music at home and not just um, play it while I'm cleaning, but be intentional that I'm about to jam out right now. Like this, this is my time to dance, right? So um, I would definitely suggest that people tap into the things that they have already done, whether that's riding bicycles or reading, or even if it is having one glass of wine and watching your favorite television show. Just make sure you're not doing any of those things excessively, excessively like overworking out because you're in quarantine or, you know, drinking too much, just like any of those things you don't want to do excessively, but you want to tap into that. And um, a second thing, because you talked about advocacy, is you want to make sure that you're strategic about how you're helping. So create a plan of what I am going to do personally. So if that is like, okay, well, I'm going to make sure that I not only share this content on my social media that has the phone number for Brianna Taylor or um, a website to donate, but I'm going to make sure that I do those things 
and share them. You know what I mean? And um, I would definitely unplug, play on words, <laughs> no pun intended, but I would definitely unplug from the internet after a while. Me and, and a couple of my friends have definitely unplugged at different times during COVID and throughout this this civil movement that we're experiencing. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think those are two really great things. And I'm also like, I'm like, on and off, I'll like post every day. And then I'm like, yo, I need I need a break because it just becomes too much. Yeah, it's real. I mean, we're getting like, um, like you said, it's not like any of these things are new. But the increase of information um, can increase our anxiety. And just to play on anxiety of Black people in general, we already walk through life with the anxiety within our Blackness and what that looks like for going into a store, a restaurant, applying for a job. But now it's like, okay, I have this job. And now I have increased anxiety about speaking up or asking certain questions, or identifying with the Black Lives Matter movement at work. So I would definitely say find safe outlets for you to express yourself. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And I'm glad you mentioned that because there's so much that comes with being Black, especially being Black in America. And sub the subject of mental and emotional health can be such taboo for us, right? So for those of us that are that can be a little in denial, how would you suggest evaluating our emotional intelligence? Yeah, so the, the key is self-awareness. So my favorite thing to tell people is if you're not talking to yourself like 80% of the day, then you're not, you're not there yet. You need to be talking to yourself all day. There's just like no reason why you're not thinking about, you know, even if you're going to the store and you're thinking about your list, you know, you can be think you can be telling yourself like even today, okay, Ariane, I'm not gonna spend all day in this store. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna get what I need and I'm gonna come out. You know, that's a part of your self talk, even if it's like super cliche and small. But that habit of having those conversations with yourself will benefit you when you're in a situation where um, maybe you're angry or you're frustrated and you say, okay, well, what am I gonna do with this anger? I really want to cuss this person out. But I'm going to take two seconds. You know what I mean? I'm going to take two seconds. I'm going to breathe. But the, 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 you, need. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. Let me get my words together right because I want to express this properly. All those are part of self-talk. And that is how you increase your emotional intelligence by getting to know yourself. I wholeheartedly agree. And I'm, I'm big on talking to myself. I talk to myself out loud. Is that okay? Is that normal? Yes. Okay. I <laughs> I do that a lot. That's probably the eighty percent. But <laughs> guilty as well. Right? Yeah. I do it all the time. So thank you for letting me know I'm not crazy. Yeah, oh, good thing. Now, <laughs> while we're on the topic of emotional intelligence, because you are a therapist, I'm always one to know how can I apply this to my life practically. So obviously as a woman and a woman of color, what do you think are three topics that we don't discuss as far as our mental health that going forward are important for women everywhere to just have more conversations about? Mm -hmm. One would be, we all like put on facades to um, 
to conquer the world, right? To conquer our day. So whether that is um, making sure, you know, our quick little makeup beat is together or making sure our outfit is straight or even just our clean home, you know, um, but not recognizing when things are not okay can be harder when we are making sure our bodies and our surroundings are prim, proper, and together. So I would say definitely take more time to check in with yourself outside of your checklist. So if these things don't get done on my checklist, will I be okay? Why, are, why is not completing these things giving me so, so much anxiety? Um, and just asking yourself that. That's one. Um, another one would be to stop catastrophizing. So that means stop using terms like never and always in your life. Um, those don't help you attract um, wellness, emotional wellness, nor does it help you be present in the moment. So in order to be present, you need to, you know, whether you're talking to someone else in an argument, oh, you never do this, or you always, or I'm always leaving work late, or they never show me respect. Those things aren't going to attract the energy that you want. And it's also taking you away from what's happening right in front of your face. So I would suggest all women to stop catastrophizing. I mean, I do it. it, it, it it's, it's something that happens, right? It's regular. Um, and then the last thing I would like to say, um, so we got, what we got? Don't trick yourself into thinking. Then we have stop catastrophizing as number two. And the third one is that anything and everything can change. So just realize that change can happen and it's not something you're never stuck. You know, your, your, your mind attracts things that you want in the future. Your circumstances are never indefinite. So just remembering that my life, these circumstances today are not going to be where they are forever. As long as I think of life as something that is evolutionary and changing, that's what it will be. So change is That's really on point. And yeah. it's something to it for sure. Because when my husband and I did premarital counseling, something that um, our counselor was telling us was never and always the statements. And he was like, every time you say you always do something or you never do something, he said, when you find yourself saying it, give three examples. And if you can't give three examples, don't say it anymore. And so mm -hmm. that's something we've really tried to do because half the time you can't even remember. I'm telling you always or never, and I don't even mm -hmm. know three times you did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And it really just goes with kind of reprogramming the way you think about yourself and just in general, right? So going back to what you're attracting and what you're saying, I really believe in words being spells and then I'm very heavy on the law of attraction. So me and my friends, we just took a few road trips together and we're always calling each other like lazy or, you know, how females would be like, Oh, the B word or whatever. And we're mm -hmm. like, we really have to stop saying that, you know, because that's powerful when we say it to one another, but then also just saying it in general. So I really, really, really agree with you on just changing just simple words and just reprogramming the way you think and the way you talk. 
amongst mm-hmm. yourself to yourself and um, to other people that'll really be a big big thing so it goes into my next question which is what is one piece of advice that you would give to like the young women women and men who may not feel safe you know expressing their emotional intelligence you know mm-hmm. yeah so um i would say if you're not safe expressing your emotions now emotional intelligence is a skill right that's a skill that we learn but expressing our emotions like you like i'm sure the purpose of your question is something that is very hard for us within the black community right um even our men and women i don't like to say one experiences more than other because there's a lot of women who cannot voice themselves you know or speak up for themselves so i would say is to find a an outlet i i beg of you guys to find an outlet anybody who is listening whether that is having conversations with yourself if you don't feel like you can talk to anybody else please talk to yourself and god if that's who you believe in and um you know write things out even if you don't want to take a whole journal because you feel like somebody will find it well say you could say i hate this place rip it up and throw it in the trash you know what i mean like figure out some way or some person to express yourself and the the first place to start is just say i feel and then say whatever it, it is that you're feeling even if it is i feel angry i am pissed i feel ignored i feel neglected whatever it is i would say just get it out even if it is just in the comfort of your own head mm-hmm. and that's so major because like you said i don't like to put i don't like to be biased and put make it a sexist or a gender thing because in our mm-hmm. community we generally have issues with communication where black women love to say oh black men they don't know how to communicate but we don't know how to respectively communicate either you know so it's a it's definitely a double-edged sword that we definitely need to work on so i i take that advice in absolutely absolutely i agree with you candy that's that's something where it goes both ways i agree so what is next for ari and camille yeah so next i am in the midst of putting together a a virtual workshop webinar to teach people how to work through their emotional intelligence. And there are four pillars that are super crucial to emotional intelligence, which are self-awareness, self-management, so how do I manage my emotions, social awareness, how am I aware of the emotions of others? And then relationship management, kind of like what Candy was saying, where it's like, I might not know how to, I'm blaming you for communicating, but I don't know how to communicate. So the relationship management um, allows you to communicate with others in respectful ways and articulate your needs, but also be mindful of others. So um, July is Black Mental Health Awareness Month, and I plan to, I know I'm so excited about that. So I plan to put that out next month, just aligned with everything else that we're going through. And, um, you know, I'm still accepting clients at Coach Counseling. So I'm doing all virtual clients right now due to COVID-19, but my office is actually located in Brookhaven, not far from Lenox. So it's not like super deep in Brookhaven at all. 
And yeah, so if you guys, you know, know anybody who is looking for a therapist, please recommend me. Um, you can send me an email at Ariane at CoatsCounseling.com. Okay. I will definitely be reaching out. Um, so, <laughs> so how can our plugs reach you? Yeah. So right now I'm on Instagram a lot. So at Emotional Exchange is my IG handle. And um, you can, again, check me out at CoatsCounseling.com. That is my um, therapy website. And yeah, you can always slide in my DMs, ask me any questions. I'm really great at responding. If you're having a relationship or conversation issue and you need some help expressing yourself, please slide in my DMs. I'll be glad to help. I'm pretty personal. Awesome. Thank you so much. And you're going to stick around for Candy's uh, Juicy Topic, right? Yes, I'm so excited. Where <laughs> you got to stick around for the good too. Okay, so yes, plugs. It is that time of the day of the show where we go into the juicy topic. You guys voted and you guys selected colorism. Okay, so this is time right into everything that's going on this is time right into current events and the times that we're living in in history at this very moment so the first thing that i really wanted to talk about y'all was like have some of you like been personally treated differently or know someone has that has been treated differently within their race from people of their race based on the complexion of their skin so i'm saying this for me i've seen it so like i'm originally from bronx new york and it's very diverse but bronx is also very it's a lot of hispanics a lot of dominicans a lot of puerto ricans a lot of cuban like a lot of different people from the hispanic or south american community or latino community and i definitely see the favoritism Okay, the same type of favoritism that I have kind of seen when I relocated to Georgia, when it came to the way like darker skinned Hispanics or darker skinned Blacks were treated in, con in um, comparison to lighter skinned Hispanics and lighter skinned Blacks were treated. So that's really just me. Um, me personally, outside of the favoritism that I've seen, I've kind of always been like they call caramel. So I never really got like the too light or too dark type of thing growing up. But I've seen a lot of my friends who were on the lighter side get the too light treatment or a lot of my friends who were on the darker side get the, oh, you're dark skin treatment. So let me, you know, give us your, uh, your input as far as like have you or someone that you know have they experienced like different a preferential or different type of treatment based on the color of their skin from people in their race? Um, from people in their race or in my race, I would say yes. Uh, for me specifically, um, it is, and I, it's not something that I even a hundred percent understand like colorism as a spectrum because I've told, I've like shared with you guys so many stories about my family, but uh, up until not that recently, obviously I have like younger cousins and stuff, but I was the lightest person on my side of the family. 
And you guys also know, like, I don't know my biological father. So my family is primarily all on my mother's side. I will say I have experienced favoritism on the other side. I know in the previous episode, I had just, just um, not the previous episode, but on a grown women talk, um, I was sharing that a lot of people, especially when my hair is straight, automatically assume that I'm half white. So if I come into an interaction with, especially a white male, uh, which you guys also know, I used to date white males. Um, when I come into any kind of communication with a white male and my hair is straight, it's like, and I don't know how it works, but for whatever reason, they just assume that I'm half white. So I have been at job interviews. Like one of my first adult jobs was at a car dealership and I actually was manager at like 18 years old, but all the men there were Caucasian men. And then when other people would come in, they would make certain statements about, you know, black women or black this. And I'd be like, yo, I'm black. And they'd be like, oh, but you don't count. Like, it's different. You're not the same. Or how I speak. And of course, you guys know my mother's in the military. So there's a lot of structure that she had. But they were like, oh, you, you know, you speak so well and you're so articulate. It's not the same. Um, for everybody listening, I want to be clear. It is the same. Um, people who are educated just sound educated and people who are not just don't doesn't matter what color you are it's just the truth if you know about something and you talk about what you know you're gonna sound like you know what you're talking about if you don't under any other circumstance you gonna sound foolish that it is what it is um, but I have experienced it on a lot of levels and I've also experienced um, the two light treatment and that was mostly in growing up until I understood how to be comfortable in my skin because I did, I was also a person who struggled with like, oh, I just wished I was darker. Like I had been out with my mom where people were questioning her, like, whose baby is that? And she's like, this is my daughter. Um, so I did experience it on that side too. I told you guys, like I would wake up from nap time and girls had tied knots in my hair. Like, and I could never hang out with any of the black girls because they were like, no, you're too light. You're white. Like, no. So it's hard. And like I said, I don't understand it within the community because even on the Hispanic side, of course, you guys know I'm half Puerto Rican. So a lot of my friends who are Hispanic and in the Hispanic community, it is thick, like Colombian from Honduras. Like if you get to a certain darkness, it's like they're black. You can't bring them home. And I, there's no words to really put to it. It, it sucks okay um yeah so my experience okay uh, i think that's a great question to ask because it's it goes ties into your emotional intelligence and being aware of other people and their experiences right so in order to be aware of other people's experiences you have to know where you came from so for me as i've always been a dark-skinned black girl i got that that compliment you're pretty for a dark-skinned girl a lot a lot and my cousins are gorgeous and there are array of complexions um but the cousin that i rock with the closest um she was like on more candy's complexion or whatever but she has long beautiful hair and it was just always like that complex of it was like, I've always had hair complexes, like natural girl hair was not a thing 
um, for me growing up, you know, I was getting perms and hot combs. That's just what, and weaves. That's just what it was. But as far as people particularly treating me different because of my dark skin, absolutely. From, like I said about the compliments, from being amongst groups of women and guys not talking to me um, because I was darker skin, I've gotten that. That happened plenty of times. I've had other people, you know, like girls not want to be friends with me necessarily because of my my darker skin um and not really at school but more in like our worker environments or things like that and i'm like a social but butterfly so for me to feel discriminated against because of my skin tone it has to be something that's blatant you know like i said about the compliments and things like that but um i actually went to tanzania to, uh, for study abroad in 2013 to study the, um, the psychology of skin bleaching. So I, I was there for uh, almost some, well, like a month, um, almost two. And we, we talked about what, like where the colonialism came from within this country and how people were affected by lighter skin versus darker skin. And it's really the tie that lighter skin is uh, connected to wealth, wealth and education and money. You know what I mean? So to see yourself as someone who is darker skin, then you may not feel like you will attract wealth or you would be perceived as smart or educated. So Lavina, I also got that. Like, why are you, um, you speak like a white girl, you know? And it's like, my mom just we were i grew up in boston massachusetts so when i came down here and started saying y'all and finna and stuff like that my mom was like oh heck no like you gonna have to stop that right now and you know? they don't play there's like no game <laughs> with it and my mom was always very clear and my it's crazy because my mom is from the south side of chicago like born and raised mm -hmm. then moved to texas and you know she went on her own her whole journey but the it's so weird to me that that is a correlation between how you look and how you sound that mm -hmm. if you speak properly or yeah. what we call properly in the english language because i say yo all the time i feel like yo like yes. uh, i say it all the time but the when we speak properly that that is automatically you speak white or you talk like you're white you guys you ladies both just touched on the next question which is have you ever wished you were lighter or darker in your skin color so Levine, i've already admitted like yeah it's been times where i wish i was you know i wish i was darker how about you ari and then penny mm -hmm. you gotta slide in there and give me your opinion after her I know you, like you said, you've always gotten that compliment that, hey, you're pretty for a dark girl. Did that mm. ever make you, and there's a lot of dark-skinned, beautiful women who get the same compliment or have definitely stated the same compliment. Mm. Um, so do you feel like you've ever wanted to go, you know, you've ever wanted to be lighter? I mean, honestly, my great aunts, um, like both of my grandmothers are actually close to Lavina and Penny's complexion. I'll say Lavina in the winter time and Penny in the summer. In the summer. Okay. 
and Penny in the summer, right? So Girl, I this quarantine. Been, yes, so I have very light. <laughs> I wasn't trying to come for you, Lolita. <laughs> but I have very uh, light grandmothers, you know? But my, I have dark-skinned aunts and, you know, uncles, and my father is brown-skinned. And I never really thought about becoming lighter. What I did want to change was my eye color. I remember I went on a phase where I was wearing contacts and I really wanted my eyes to be lighter color. And my hair, my hair was always a complex for me because from for the youngest time that I can remember, it was like, girl, your hair is too much. So then that message of, this is a lot this is a lot it it kind of like well i don't want it to be a lot and it, it played for plenty of hair stylists have contributed to my trauma by when i was in their chair as a child like oh girl this gonna take a long time like this is a much like the messages continued and i remember i fried my hair to death in high school getting color and straightening and wearing weaves and I wish that I had the love and embrace that the young girls have today with their natural hair. I see young girls in high school wearing their twist outs and going to prom, and I'm just like, praise God. I'm glad that times have changed because it, it, it's very necessary. So I've never really, when I was younger in grade school coming up, I was never told you're pretty for the complexion that you are, or I don't date girls your complexion. I did notice that I was overlooked at times by girls who were lighter than me. And you do have, like in middle school particularly, and I did have those thoughts where I was like, do I need to be lighter? And, you know, my mom and sisters didn't, heard nothing about it. You know what I mean? So just that programming and that mentality is what really needs to be completely persecuted from our culture as a people because it's something that's put in place to separate us even more and I hate it you know but um absolutely not I love my complexion I you know I get pale in the winter and I get you know a beautiful bronze in the summer but haven't been out like that but I just think it's about loving the skin you're in and like you said Arian having that having that intelligence to self to self analyze and to not you know to not let someone else project their mess onto you because someone you know kids have pure innocent minds and it takes just one thing even a look for them to be like oh is there something wrong with me am i you know un you know worthy of something which is absolutely not the case so to answer your question, no, I have not wished I was, I wouldn't mind having a little extra, you know, a little extra melanin. You can't argue with that, but no, black is beautiful in all shades. And I just want our people to realize that who have not yet realized that. And you're so right. And going back to that colonialism statement again, that's where the whole ideal of good hair and good eyes and good skin comes from that complex, you know, of what is good versus bad. So I can honestly say for me, I experienced it a little bit, but not much only because like I said, I feel like I'm right in 
in the middle. And then on top of that, it was like, I was raised up in the household where my mom was really big on instilling like melanin and what it meant to me. So if anything, I've kind of always wanted to be darker or I always wanted to have like dark skinned kids because I feel like, oh, you guys are going to be melanated. You know, I always wanted to have like chocolate babies. So I can say I have wished to be darker, but not lighter, which is kind of like the reverse of what most people would say. But it does go into my next question, which I know that we all are going to say that we've at least seen it or experienced it when it comes to dating, right? So do you guys believe that Black men have a tendency or have, do treat black women differently based on their complexion. For me, I have to say yes. I've seen it. Um, as a model, I've seen the more exotic or foreign-looking females get roles more so than the girls who are on the darker side. And even with dating, I've seen it with um, just, you know, black guys, just straight out saying, oh, I want a more exotic woman, or I want a mixed skin, or I want a red bone, or I want that. That's your preference. You want someone that's a little bit more lighter. And I've also seen it when it came to my friends. Like, guys will literally try to talk to me rather than my darker skinned friend. And I don't feel like it's for any particular reason because I could be looking like jack you know like nothing and they could be completely made up but simply because what I'm a, I'm a little bit more lighter than them um you would be more interested than me so i definitely feel like i have seen the preferential treatment um in the industry and definitely with dating with black men so how about you lavina and then i'm gonna just go down the line from lavina to ari to penny like have you felt like you've seen or you do feel like you do have feelings towards black men treating um black women differently based on their complexion um so my experience is a little bit different because i didn't date a lot of you and you guys know this personally but i actually didn't date a lot of black men like growing up and into my adult years so it's really funny though. I'll use my husband as, as an example. And my husband never liked light skinned women. Didn't like mixed women, never wanted one. Always thought he wanted a dark skinned woman. That was just what he wanted. Um, obviously, we married now, we got kids, he ain't going nowhere. But uh, it's like for him, that was his experience. And for me, I feel like based on the traumas that I experienced, I projected that onto a lot of black men. So it didn't really give me the opportunity to see it. Now, have I been approached and been in a group of women where I'm approached and somebody be like, Oh, you know, yo, whatever, whatever, you know, trying to get at me. Yes. Um, have I seen people tell, I, I, I've seen someone tell a friend of mine who is darker skin, like, Oh no, I'm not, that's not for me whatever that meant to me that meant he was talking about you know her skin tone but it very well could have been anything now i have seen things like that or been approached with the opportunity like oh i want to treat you like this i want to treat you like that but as far as personal experience i don't have a lot but with my husband yeah he was like nah i didn't want a light-skinned woman and he jokes about it all the time he'd be like dang i don't know how you got me like 
Yeah, no, you got me. He gonna kill me for saying it too. But yeah, <laughs> I've definitely gotten that. Oh, I've never dated a dark skinned girl before. Uh, um, with someone who I was in a very intimate relationship with, he would remind me, like you know, I've never really dated a black, a dark skinned girl. I would never even, you know think that it was cute or anything like that, you know? And I've definitely, like, Candy kind of, like, hit on to my experiences. Like, my um, my best friend, she's very aware of her, she's, you know, the privileges of being lighter skinned. And that's why I talked about, you know, emotional intelligence, because in order to understand your privileges, because I have privileges as a dark-skinned woman as well, you know? I can wear my hair in certain ways where people aren't going to look twice at me, you know? But someone who is lighter-skinned, they may be questioning, like, oh, she trying too hard or something like that, you know what I mean? So um, I have definitely seen people treat me different and not choose my done-up pretty self over someone who got on sweatpants and a half a head and a bonnet on just because they was light skinned and you know what I mean? So I've definitely experienced that. And I would say that um, just like regarding men, I think that they have to start having conversations with each other because they experience colorism as well. And they project that onto the black women that they are out here looking at. So the colorism conversation ain't just for us. It's for the men listening to, okay? Stop projecting y'all light skin tendencies or dark skin anger onto us, okay? So yeah. <laughs> you better speak, Ariane, because girl, <laughs> I absolutely agree. Um, they're, they do treat women of darker complexion differently, hands down. And even with experiencing their own colorism as black men, as a darker skinned black man, from the outside looking in, I could be wrong, it could be even down the middle, but from the outside looking in, it appears that dark skinned men are more desired in society than dark skinned women. So a lot of the time, it goes back to what's been beaten into us, what's been programmed into our minds from slavery, from the Willie Lynch letter and all types of shenanigans and what they put out and the images were constantly given that I mean to see a while ago I don't know if you guys saw it but a battle rapper was talking about a man the guy who was battling against daughter and we're talking about a six-year-old child and because she's dark-skinned he made references even to pimping her out so she's deserving of this because she's dark-skinned and what was even more startling was that the grown-ass men surrounding him were egging him on, who I'm almost certain not only have kids, but also daughters. So there is absolutely a difference in treatment towards darker-skinned women, and it's something that needs to change. There's many, thing that need, many things that need to change within our community, and colorism is just one of them. At the end of the, at the, end of the day, we are all dealing with a Black struggle someone of lighter complexion is no, you know, you're, we're all equally likely to experience the shenanigans that have been taking place since day one. So that is just something that we just have to do better. Watching um, The Breakfast Club today, Charlemagne made a statement 
saying that one of his white allies, a friend of his, a white man, told him, black men treat black women the way white men treat black men. And to hear that as a black man from a white man, but it needs to be said. And he said that as a generalization, he didn't even touch on darker skinned women being treated differently from the lighter skinned women. So in general, we just have to do better. We just have to do better. We have to stop allowing ourselves to be separated because at the end of the day, we're in this fight together. We are, we need to become one. We already are one, but mentally we need to become one. Preach it, preach it, preach it. No child is born knowing racism or colorism or sexism or bigotry. These are our program thinking, learn behavior. So please, y'all, if you learn nothing else from this today, just be real with yourself and be real with others. But it does come to a point where we're all in this fight together, right? As Black people, we do need to do better with our communication, and we definitely need to do better with the way we're expressing our emotions. So just be mindful, be mindful, be mindful, and um, yeah, have your preference, because I know I got mine, okay? But uh, at the same time, don't try to make it seem like just because you have a preference that that makes you or make your preference better than someone else's, or that your privilege that you may have for being darker or lighter makes you better than someone else's, okay? So just uh, be mindful, y'all, and be positive. And you know what we got to do? We got to thank our girl, Ari, because you've been wrapping it up. For all the emotionalists out here, we emotional, and we don't want to admit it, you know? We <laughs> emotional. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. You guys are beautiful, and you are smart, and I love this platform. Y'all stay, continue to educate the people, because they need you guys. Your voices are so strong, individually and together. I love Women Unplugged. Thank y'all so much for having me. Thank you! For sure. I'll come Thank back. Thank you, girl! Love you, too. Right. Thank you, queen. Thank you so much. So, today's Penny for Your Thought is actually the EQX mission from Arian's website. As we know, EQ is short for emotional intelligence and emotional exchange is her brand. So her EQX mission is, it is not easy managing emotions. Our personal emotions can lead to decisions that we are not always proud of, but you are not alone. Emotions are fluid. Although you feel them, sometimes you don't have to stay there. Allow your emotions to be an instrument. Period. Yes. I love that and she said so many key things like just checking in with yourself having a checklist don't catastrophize the never and always like there are so many key things that are a part of so many larger conversations and specifically with mental health so if you are plugging in with us today and you've listened, just make sure you take care of yourself. Make sure you're taking care of the people around you. Have these conversations and enjoy them. Have fun with them. Don't be afraid of a debate. Don't be afraid of a disagreement. None of that matters. In the grand scheme of what we are trying to get done and where we are trying to go and what the end goal is, it doesn't matter how light you are or how dark you are. We are all, and I said this before, we are all one race. We're the human race. And at the end of the day, we are all equal. 
and that is the point. It doesn't matter. But you know, you know, Black Lives Matter. Just so y'all know, in case you didn't. <laughs> uh, but we just want to thank Arian so much for coming on today and being a part of the platform and just you know being a part of the hot topic, Gucci Candy's topic, and giving us so much knowledge. And that is what I want to say as we leave off today. Ignorance is not an excuse. Educate mm -hmm. yourself. Learn. At all. Hold yourself accountable. Hold your friends and family accountable. If there's any conversations that you need to have, go ahead and have them. Now is the time. Uh, but at the end of the day, we love you guys. So thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow us on all of our social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at womenunplugged underscore. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, Women Unplugged Podcast. So thank you guys for plugging in. Yes. Thank you so much, guys.